Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Draft on Tap. My name is Aldo Gandia, and we've got another really good one for you tonight. We've got a very special guest that we'll introduce in a moment. But first, let me introduce the stars of the show, beginning with Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, just trying to survive this, uh, this this crappy weather we have here you know, in the Midwest. Uh, but just, you know, grinding yeah. away, man, grinding away. It's, this is my time. This is my time of year, uh, the, the, the draft. We, we, we've been through the... Uh, been through the college all-star games and now we're heading to the the combine coming up that's the next phase in terms of this this pre-draft evaluation stuff so this is my time of year man i'm excited yeah and th- don't be whining about the weather you've lived in chicago your entire life you've, exactly. you've experienced snow in june so I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I, I see neil uh also agreeing with me why is he whining <laughs> about the weather <laughs> Aldo Gandia, Danny Shimon, always a pleasure to be on with you, distinguished gentlemen. Uh, hey, happy National Margarita and Ash Wednesday. Nice. Hey, you wow. both. <laughs> Those how about, how about that for a combination, right? Some Catholic for you. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> guys, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The, uh, the, the weather has been kicking my ass, too. You know, yeah. last week when, when it was... It was like 55 degrees last Saturday. It was like 50 degrees for the Super Bowl. Then it got back down to freezing. And the prior, the previous week, it was like negative five. Like when, whenever the weather goes like this and goes crazy, my oh, yeah. sinuses, my system just goes nuts. And yeah. the entire last week, I was like a freaking zombie. Was mm-hmm. not fun. Finally came back to life Saturday night, Sunday. And so, uh, you know, here we are. Um, you know, definitely a different week than it was last week at this time. You young guys complaining about the weather. I don't believe it, man. I'm going to bring in a guy who never complains about the weather. His name is Nick Baumgartner. He is a senior writer over at The Athletic. And boy, oh boy, I have fallen in love with his articles and his Twitter account. Nick, how are you, my friend? Doing very good. I'm not going to complain about the weather, guys, even though it is horrible weather here too in Detroit. So we are. But hey, that's what we do in the Midwest, right? We're we're okay. Exactly. Nick, before we get started with the Q&A, tell our followers a little bit about yourself and um, how long have you been at The Athletic uh, and uh, just uh, fill fill us in. Yeah, so I've been at The Athletic uh, as a senior writer since 2019 uh, in a bit of a different role the last couple of years. I've been mostly focused on the draft, uh, I would say the last year full, but probably the last like two years uh, really, I've also done some Detroit Lions, covered Michigan uh, football for a long time, uh, worked for the Detroit Free Press, uh, Ann Arbor News, um, you know, had a journalism background. So a little bit of everything. Um, and I do a little bit of everything at The Athletic. I work a lot with uh, Dan Brugler, 
Uh, I work a lot with um, our college football staff. Um, I still do some features here and there. So a little bit of all over the place, but uh, I love watching tape. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I try to do as much as I can. Yeah, and you do a great job of uh, putting tape oh, up you. on Twitter and and uh, analyzing it, uh, analyzing the tape for us. So really appreciate that. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Michigan. Did you see that interview with Justin Fields on Rich Eisen? And he talked about how at Ohio State uh, they would pee on uh, Michigan jerseys in preparation for their big game with them. <laughs> it's not surprising. I remember, you know, I can remember I covered the couple years that he was there that he came through and I guess it was only the one year, right? He only played him the one because the second year he would have had uh, the COVID. Right. But I, my, my lasting image of him was uh, they pounded Michigan in Michigan Stadium and he said something like, um, Ohio State takes football more serious than Michigan. And I was like, whoa, okay. Whoa. And he it was like, ah, fair enough. And it was like, then he'd walk out the door and nobody could say anything. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there you go. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Danny Shimon, and he's going to begin the interview uh, with you, Nick. And then uh, mm-hmm. Neil will get his jabs in, uh, and then we'll uh, <laughs> rotate back, and uh, then we'll let you get out of here, okay? Perfect. Sounds good. All right, All right Danny, why don't you take it away, my friend? All right. Well, well uh, Aldo gave me only 10 minutes to talk to you, Nick, but it's going to be more than 10 minutes here when I start talking about <laughs> no that. No problem. Just be prepared. But anyway, all joking aside, uh, obviously I talked about earlier in the beginning of the show how this now we're in a grind of, of you know, getting into these prospects and grind this tape yeah. and, and, and kind of formulating, you know, all of our, our, our boards. Uh, obviously, the, the, the college, you know, the Senior Bowl and, and the in the East-West Shrine game is, is in the rearview mirror now. Some players shined out. Some players stood out. Some players made names for themselves. The next step here is, is the combine. Are, are there any players that, that you're looking for in terms of the combine that that maybe you know either either carry over what they started at either you know in, in Mobile or in Vegas with the with the All Star games and then now kind of at the next level keep going or are, are there guys that maybe didn't quite shine and you're like you know what this is this 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 next format the combine is going to be where they kind of just you'll hear their name and all of a sudden their stock's going to be you know flying out the roof. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wish I wish we lived in a world that was more similar to the NBA where we could see these guys, the younger guys that aren't at the senior bowl or aren't at the whatever, you know, the strand game or whatever it is. And that's unfortunate, but that's the only, you know, so like a guy like Lucas Van Ness, uh, the edge from Iowa is one that um, most people expect to have some pretty freaky workouts. Uh, and he's a guy that wasn't at the senior bowl, right? He wasn't in mobile. He was too young. And he's one of these guys who's like, I, you know, we just did our consensus big board earlier in the week where we take uh, big boards from like 12 or 15 different places, put them all together. And he's still way, way, way too low. But I, he's a guy that I keep telling people after he works out, he's going to be way higher. He's going to be mid to high uh, first round by the time it's all said and done. Another guy that you mentioned that was in Mobile that we did see for one day, Dewan Jones, um, Ohio State, played with Fields. Uh, was there for one day, played really well, and then had tweaked something, whatever it was. Uh, a lot of us there kind of wondered maybe he showed all he needed to show and then went home, which would also have been fine. But he's another one that I'm, I'm curious to see how, uh, it, number one, if he does everything, if he runs and does everything um, at the Combine, and if that uh, can maybe even help him a little bit more. I think he helped himself in Mobile, but like I'm not sure he helped himself as much as people maybe thought he did or as much as maybe he could have. So He's he's one that I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in for sure. 
Yeah, with Lucas Van Ness, that's a that's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, mm-hmm. with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. And and with Iowa, when I watch his tape, you know, like I've seen him, you know, stand up in a two point stance, rush from yeah from outside. I've seen him as an in, interior defensive lineman. So I I think his versatility is what teams are going to love about him. Now, obviously, I think you know his frame has got room to grow. So I think they're going to add some more muscle to him. But you know, I I talked about him, you know, previous previewing him for the Bears here in terms of he's a guy you can bring in as probably like a base defensive end and also on those, you know, third down situations, kick him inside and, and, and bring, if you want your, your NASCAR package in and have four defensive linemen rush to push the quarterback. So do you see him eventually landing at, at either defensive tackle or, or do you still see him as, as an end coming out? So I think Lucas, I think he's a little bit like one of these versatile, like the hyper versatile Aiden Hutchinson type player. That's what I sort of see. And Will Anderson is a more explosive version of that, where I think he can play, you know, pretty much anywhere and win. And I think Van Ness, I'm not sure that I would label it because I think, like you said, Danny, I mean, he stood up too at Iowa. I mean, he dropped and covered. And I'm, I'm curious with him to see, depending on where he goes, you know, like uh, like Green Bay took uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, not to totally go back to Michigan, but it's another similar prospect. They took right, him right. and he was a defensive end, hand on the ground the whole time. They stood him up some, they changed his rush package and, you know, he's had a terrific, uh, career because of it. I, I wonder if we'll see some more of that with him, but I also wouldn't want, like you're saying, I wouldn't want to lose what he can do inside on third down. You know what I mean? Like he's really good with the length and the power because uh, his punch, I, did, I think they call him Hercules. That's his nickname. Uh, and he used to play hockey too. I mean, that's <laughs> at that size. So yeah, I don't know if the bears are going to have a shot at him though. They're going to have to trade down or something because he's right. going to be, I think he's going to be pretty high. Right. Yeah. Just talking about maybe, you know, late first round, second round, depending yeah. on how he does, where he goes. But, you know, so, so a name you, you brought up is, is Will Anderson. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. I think I believe last time you're on your overall draft board, he was your top rated player. Uh, he's a top rated player on a lot of a lot of boards. But, you mm-hmm. know, something with, with Will Anderson. And again, and when this format that we're doing here, I'm scouting for the Bears and for their scheme. And for me, right. what with Will Anderson, like he's not he's not my top edge rusher. For me, it's Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. And mm-hmm. mainly because I, I think just things scheme fit. And when I look at look at um Anderson, I, I just look at a guy, and I've been told by by area scouts that he played at 250 plus at, at Alabama this past season. Right. Well, I put on his tape, man. He looks like he's 238, 240, dripping right. wet. So, well, that's that's what I'm curious to see in terms of how he exactly, comes in terms yeah. of weight. And then, you know, you, and you know, you mentioned in terms of you know he can play all, all along the, uh, the the defensive line. For me, he's a more of a three four outside linebacker. So, if a team like the Bears is going to draft him, I think he, as a defensive staff, you got to come to Ryan Poles and say. This is how I'm going to use them. You need a plan for this kid. So I, I so just curious in terms of, well, Anderson, do you project him? I know he's number one overall on your board, but do you see him as a three, four outside linebacker, hand in the ground defensive end? How do you guys see him? Yeah, I'm with you at the start. I think that that's where that begins, right? I think that he begins uh, so whatever he's most comfortable with, and then you work from there. And I think the thing that I've sort of landed on the most when I watch him, it. I think he has the highest ceiling of anybody, but I don't necessarily know that I would even take him one. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I might, if I was Chicago, take Jalen Carter, because I think that for all the reasons you're saying, I agree with everything you said, but I also think with Anderson, it's like, there's still some projection there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure that we've seen everything that he can do yet. Because I mean, again, I think that there's some coverage pieces there too, that, you know, we totally haven't seen him do that. Maybe he didn't do it. Bama depends on the scheme. It depends on where he, he falls in. But it's like, uh, that's the hard part, right? Because if you're going to a defense that's not any good around him and still needs, you know, it'd be better if he were able to go somewhere that has talent and he could sort of tinker, but he's not going to be able to do that. So it's, he's one of those tricky ones where it's like, and I can, I totally can see, I'm, 
I think I have Wilson top five uh, on the last list I was going through right here. So at least on a mock. So, I mean, um, if you're looking for a certain thing, he's probably giving it to you faster. Wilson, that would be than Anderson, but long-term, I mean, I think Will Anderson might be the best defensive prospect on the board. So that's, that's kind of the conversation that I always end up having with him. And speaking of freaky athletes and just kind of flip it over to the other side and, and, and the offensive side. And, and, and obviously a quarterback is, is the rage here and, and everyone's yeah. talking about, you know, you know is, is it going to be young? Is it going to be Stroud? And, and then I, I've said all along and, and Aldo can, can chime in and Neil can chime in as well. I've said the kid that's going to go top 10 in this draft is Anthony Richardson. And I think reading some of your work, and I know you're, mm. you're, Love you him, have yeah. a liking of, of a, you know, you like this kid as well. I just think that the body type, the, the, you know, the size, the athletic ability, the, the can of an arm, the quick release, he's not ready to play next year. He's not, he's not ready to play with maybe within two right. years, who knows, but if you're a team like say, Lions, or if your team like yeah. Seattle, you know, and you have a veteran quarterback that you can kind of draft this kid because you know you're not if you're those teams, you're not planning on being this high up in the draft, you know, next coming exactly. year, two, three yeah. years. So do you take him and there and then do now you have Jared Goff if you're Detroit, you know, starting for next year, maybe two years, you're, you're Seattle, you have Geno Smith starting for next year or two years, and take a kid that could potentially be the best quarterback in this draft class. Yeah, those two teams right there are the two that I've thought about the most. Washington would be another one. Um, you know, it depends on what they would want to do. But then, you know, we also see, you know, we'll see where some of these other bridge guys land in free agency. But those two that you mentioned off the top, especially Detroit, you know, I, I live here. But, like, that's one that I've thought about for them for, like, a year and a half. Because, you know, the more comfortable Jared Goff got, you know, and the fact, like you say, I mean, you don't need him for a year. I think he's probably closer to being ready than most people probably give him credit for, but you wouldn't even really have to force him in through two there. It gets complicated with the contracts and everything else. And it's not exactly the best case scenario, but the, the, the reward there is Josh Allen. Like that's the reward. That's, that's who I think, uh, you know, top end he tops out as, and you know, that's the scenario, I, I guess that you're going to have to wait for yourself and how much can you develop him? I, I think Detroit and Seattle, would be two teams, especially Detroit, uh, with its offensive line right now, that is going to give a young quarterback who needs time to grow, they would give a, a player like that time. I mean, you you would be built to give him time. Uh, I think a player like Richardson could go to both of those teams or somebody else like that. And even as he learns, you could use him as a runner. You could use him and get him involved and have packages for him throughout the year. Um, you know, I think Dane uh, Brugler, I think he had him – 13 or 14 in his last uh, top 100. I told him I was glad because I, I don't think he's going to make it past the middle of the first round. I mean, I, I think that the conversation after the combine might be like we're saying, like it might be top 10 for him. It might, yeah. you know, that might be what we're talking about uh, in a, in a week or two, but you know, we'll see. Um, he's really inconsistent. He's got a long way to go. You have to have a good, that's one where if you're a mess, you don't do it. Like if you're Houston and you're still right. trying to, don't right. do it. Like, but if or you're, if you got a foundation, yeah. Right. If you got a foundation under you and you think you're okay and you've got right. some good coaches, he'd be perfect. Yeah. I, yeah. You really need, interesting you need, a, player. You need coaching staff that's going to bring this kid. And like you said, yeah. the tools are off the chart, but he, you know, his, his you know, accuracy down the field is inconsistent at best. His mm -hmm. decision making is, is, his mechanics are, you watch him, they're all over, the, all place, over the place. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah. he's the guy that you need to have a plan for. But that's why I, I, I always saw, this is before I even saw the final list in terms of the, the draft order. I said, this kid, just because someone's going to fall in love with him in terms of his, his skill set and say, you know what? Give me this kid. Give me a year. I'll coach him up and he'll be out there. and He'll be making plays like you. So mm -hmm. I, I think I still think he's going to go top 10. But Detroit is, is a team that and like I said, Seattle, 
two teams that I'd keep my eye on. So it'll yeah, be so interesting where, where that kid goes at the end. So keeping on the quarterback theme here, obviously that, that's the big talk about, about the offseason. So I'm, my last thing for you is, is, is not a question. It's more of a, like, like a team association, right? So I'll mm-hmm. give you a name. I'm going to give you three veterans. And I'll give you three, three uh, young, you know, draft prospects. And the, the first team that comes to mind that you think this player potentially could land at, right? So okay. the first, the first quarterback is Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, I, I think Washington is the one, maybe because I just talked about Washington, but they need somebody and I'm not, I'm not convinced that, I think they think they're closer to being ready. Um, and he would be maybe, you know, I kind of look at him like Jared Goff, right? Where it's like, maybe he can revive himself somewhere. So I like that. All right. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, well, I feel like it's Jets or Packers. I, I think Jets, I'm going to go with the dicey thing or the spicy uh, selection and say Jets. I think they, okay. I think the Jets are going to go get somebody, and they're not going to swing light, I would think, if they go get somebody. Or maybe they get this next guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, maybe they get him. Um, you know, he feels like Tampa Bay. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's another one where I look at them and say, you know, they're in a situation where I've, I've Richardson's been another one I've looked at that for them. Uh, but again, I think they have a roster depending on what they want to do with, with the rest of the free agency pieces. That'd be a good fit there too. All right. In terms of the, uh, the guys in the draft, Bryce young, uh, Houston. I don't think he gets past. I don't think he gets past two. I think he's the QB one. Okay. CJ Shroud, uh, Indy, uh, unless, unless Vegas trades up, like that's my one. I think I take, Indy at four with CJ right now is where I'm looking at it. And I think we covered Richardson already. I think you said you said Tampa Bay for Richardson, right? So I said Tampa. I, you know, he's a hard one. Uh, Washington would be another one that I I've looked at for him. Uh, Detroit, you know, Seattle. I'm I'm pretty much in line with you in terms of, of all these these guys. The one thing with Carr, one team no one talks about, Tennessee Titans. They yeah, that's about good point. Eight million good point. of cap today with cutting cutting La, Lawan yeah, and Robert LaJuan, and Everett yeah. Woods and. So keep an eye on Tennessee. They they might be able to sneak in there, get their, their card, and yeah, over, go point. ahead and trade Tannehill or, or cut him or whatnot. So, um, Neil, the, the floor is yours. You're on mute, Neil. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries. You know, yeah, I always have to go on mute because this cat wants to come in here and have a bunch of opinions. <laughs> I know that goes. Or a weekly basis, man, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I used to have a boxer, RIP, but he yeah, he was there a loud go. one. <laughs> well, the, the the dog's asleep right now, so it's uh, it's mainly the cat that's that's about to come in here and, and try to interject himself into the conversation. Yeah, but, the uh, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is he is associate barroom scout, so I mean, I guess he does deserve to have his voice heard. Love it. But uh, welcome to the show, bud. Normally a bucket list item for our guests to come on this distinguished program. Happy to have you. How are you, pal? Absolutely. Very good. Happy to be here. Hope you're, hope you're not also in, although you're, the weather is not good where you're at as well. So we're all. Uh, It's just rainy, man. It's it's just disgusting outside. It's been uh, just pouring Mm -hmm. down all day. We didn't get any of that uh, ice stuff. I think the boys, you know, on the other side of uh, this program are uh, experiencing up north of us, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Rolling with the punches. Um, There we go. You know, did you have a chance to get down to the Senior Bowl? I did, yes. I was at the Senior Bowl. I did not go to the Shrine game, uh, but I was at the Senior Bowl for the whole uh, shebang. Did not stay for the game, but it was good. Got sunburnt uh, beyond repair on the first day. It was the hottest 
I think it was like the hottest day in like 15 years at the senior bowl. So we all paid a price on uh, Monday or Tuesday, whatever the hell that day was out there. And yeah, the cool was, weather moved through, through and just like torched. Yeah. yeah. And then it rained. Yeah. Right. The next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, so, you know, um, you know, we had our, our senior bowl wrap up show a couple weeks back, talked about some players mm-hmm. some stories. Uh, what kind of takeaways did you have from that week of practice? You know, the game, some of the storylines that caught your attention. I watched a lot of uh, the lines, both the tackles uh, and then some of the interior guys, mostly offensive line, but I watched a lot of uh, just the lines in general. Um, you know, a couple of guys, I've mentioned Dewan uh, Jones earlier, Cody Ma, um, uh, the North Dakota State, the young kid there. He's guard center. I'm not, I think he snapped for the first time ever in Mobile. Um, I'm not sure if he's ever done that, but he looked pretty good to me. I think I actually think I would have had him. Uh, maybe behind the kid from Minnesota as maybe the best center there. I mean, he was one of the best centers uh, there. He was really impressive. Uh, another kid that I thought stood out um, <clears throat> from Chattanooga. Uh, I always forget his name. I'm going to pull it up. McLennan Curtis, right? Yeah, Curtis. Yes, McLennan yeah. Curtis, who was awesome. I mean, they put him, I think, both guard spots. He kicked out and played some tackle. He's got a ton of length, moves really well. I think he did not, I don't think, get a combine invite. I'm not sure if he did or didn't. Uh, He's going to be kind there. Of a bummer. Is he going to be there? Good. Okay. Yep. So I think he'll actually sure climb even higher uh, after the combine. But I think a lot of those guys did well for themselves. Another one that you mentioned, like, who could help themselves more, Will McDonald uh, from Iowa State. I mean, my God, that guy, I'm not sure if I saw too many people uh, other than maybe Matthew Bergeron, who's another one who I think helped himself a ton. Too many people get him at all in any one-on-one scenario. And if they did, he got him again on the very next rep. So um, a lot of really good linemen, I, I felt like, and corners, but a lot of really good linemen at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I completely agree. Both those guys that you named off, McClendon Curtis, Cody Mock, were guys that I came away as very impressed by, guys that I haven't watched too much of, guys that I know too much yeah, about. Yeah, really good. But you know, reading into their bios, you talk about guys that have leadership, guys that have tangibles, guys that have intangibles, guys that have uh, you know a, a ton of play history, tough mm-hmm. guys, um, versatile guys, which you, know, you touched too, on. Yeah. McClendon Curtis played both guard spots. I think he lined mm-hmm. up at four different positions. Cody Mock lined up at five different mm-hmm. positions throughout the week, including the game. So yep. I mean, th- those guys are really interesting to me. I think uh, Cody Mock got the national uh, offensive lineman practice player. Yeah, he, that he seemed right. to be kind of a you know locker room favorite, fan favorite type of kid. Probably not to the, the, the level of uh, the, the kid from Wisconsin last year, but uh, no, he's like he was like a light version of that. He had the belly, yeah. but it wasn't like the full you know, hockey. So teeth. he's got he's got the hair too and the teeth and all that. <laughs> so I think <laughs> he'll be a good story. He'll be a good story, and, it, and like I think more people will get to know him. Uh, certainly after the combine too, right? Like he's a guy, Steve Avila is another one that was ringing around in my head there as I was talking. Another guy who's played multiple spots in college. Right. I don't know if he can play outside of tackle, but like he's a lot of really good, like solid linemen, I felt like at the senior bowl. Good receivers too and corners, but there always are. I feel like that's a receiver corner event. Uh, sometimes linemen struggle and this didn't feel like that in this one. Completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, with Steve Avila, I feel like, I don't know how you felt watching the national title game. To mm. me, was the only guy that was able to hold his yeah, bread. yeah. Him and uh, Horton on the other side, the other uh, right. Who I like him a lot, but yeah, Avila was like that against Michigan. He was like that against Georgia, and he was like that in every game they played. Like so much got made of Duggan, obviously, right, and Quentin Johnson, who's sure. a terrific athlete as well. But 
I mean, when it, it, Lavila was one of those guys that when it came down to it, they needed four yards, they just ran behind him. Or Duggan found him and tucked behind him, and they got a first down. Like, that's how they played, for sure. Tough guy. Yeah, 100%. Uh, speaking of the combine, what's your plans? Are you heading down there? Or are you going to watch it from afar? I will be there. Uh, I'm not sure for how long. They've changed the format, right? So uh, I think it's, I'm interested to see how this goes because the bench press is now after all of the running. So it used to be, right, the right? bench would – yeah, it used to be before. I think they would come in, they would interview and bench press on the same day, then the next day they would run. Uh, now, because I think that a lot of guys were using the excuse of – you're making me wait till my final day here to run. I'm not going to run. Now they're making them run earlier, bench later. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. But I'll be there for part of it at least. <laughs> I think the combine has become one of those things where it's like you can't do the full. <laughs> you just It's too long. It's way too much. And a lot of it is frankly not really worth it because you don't yeah, see everything. Yeah, 100%. It's become a production. Yeah. Yeah. Senior Bowl is it's, way better. I, or the Shrine game or you know an all-star game practice. I right. Access yes. is a lot better uh, unless you know people on the inside and you're able right. to uh, you rub some elbows at the Union State, the old Union Station, <laughs> right. you know, across the way there. You know, it's it, it, it's really you're hard to uh, like I, told, yeah, I was right. talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, you know, the combine is not irrelevant. It's it's relevant. There are things that need to be done at the combine. Teams need to get things done. But all the things that are important are things that we don't get to see you know the medicals the interviews right. <laughs> so you know it is what it is one of those things right which, which is the most important part of all that kind yes. of stuff i mean the underwear yeah. olympics is fun for you know all the fans out yeah. there that want to talk about 40 times and stuff bench press reps right. and everything else but for all these executives all these scouts all these coordinators all these gms everybody else getting a chance to sit down with the guy in front of the board uh mm -hmm. interview them the, the the medic staff be able to you yeah. know get, get all their answers yeah. you know right because it matters it oh, big time. matters, big you know. Time. I mean, look at a guy like Dewan Jones, right? Like, if you're, you're he's, the wingspan on him is 90 some, whatever, 89. Your medical staff, half, I think, is yeah. Like, if my medical staff would need to really go over every single, you know, he's a big guy, right? Like, you're, you mm -hmm. need that objective. So, I think that that's something that gets lost in a lot of the conversation about, you know, the combine, but that is still something that we absolutely need going forward. Exactly. You know, you got a you got a situation where you have an owner that's about to pony up, you know, right. tens of millions of dollars for yeah. and guaranteed money for a first round pick and about ten million dollars for a second round pick and guaranteed money. And then, you know, obviously the level at the you know, bottom kind of drops out after that. But for those those first two round guys, man, you know, all those answers better be there or else. I mean, you're, you're right. wasting a bunch of money. Your fan base going to getting pissed off. You're not going to be able to pay for other contracts. Um you know what? What are you? What are you specifically looking forward to seeing next week? Whether it be a you know a, a storyline play out, a, a player to watch live, wherever the case may be. What, what do you have your eyes on? I want to see. You know, I guess we'll see how everybody is health wise. I want to see how some. You know, obviously how the quarterbacks throw. I want to see how Will Levis and Richardson how they do under pressure because I think that's the other thing that we we don't talk about enough is you know when a quarterback throws at his pro day, he gets to design the workout. He gets to control the whole thing at the combine there's a lot less you get to control so to see those guys go through that whole thing and then to see some of these guys run you know i'm always you know um darnell washington the kid from georgia the huge tight end i want to see all the stuff all the stuff that he does we mentioned van ness would be another one mozzie smith the kid from michigan i think he's going to have a freaky week um every year uh musgrave the tight end from oregon state i think he's going to have uh, a week where people are turning heads on him 
there's a lot of guys uh, every single year that come in here and set those marks a little bit higher, which is why those our testing probably needs to evolve, right? We probably need some new tests, but it should be fun either way. Nick, uh, you guys are talking about the combine, and you had a great article the other day on historically uh, black college universities having their own combine yeah. this week. Uh, what can you tell us about who performed well? Have you gotten reports on on anyone? Uh, you you in your article at the at the athletic, you, you did a great job of previewing some of the people that scouts might be paying really close attention to. But what have you heard about the performances down at the combine? I have to check on all of that. I was actually going to check on the measurements uh, because mm -hmm. that's something that we get the officials on all of that. But I did see, um, I'm trying to, Dejon Warren, the kid from Jackson State, the corner, the kid that's opposite uh, Hunter. Um, he's really good. I think he's one that he, I believe, was committed to Georgia um, after Juco. So he was going to leave Juco, go to Georgia. And then after that, uh, Dion flipped him. So, I mean, and this kid is a really good, solid 6'1", or 6'6". That's why I'm curious to see what the measurements are on some of those. But a really good player. And I think that uh, he moved around really well for some scouts, and we heard good things about him. Uh, he's one that, like, of all the guys that I put on that list, uh, the kid from Bowie State, Pryor is a nice player too. But Warren would be one that I almost feel like, you know, I don't think he got a combine invite, but I almost wonder if he should have gotten a combine invite. I'm not sure if he did or not, but. He's a nice player. Danny? Yeah, I mean, having covered, obviously, or being in, in Detroit, I should say, you know, with, with the Lions, obviously, with, with what that happened last year in terms of how they kind of, you know, came out, knocked the Packers out at the, at the end, which we're yeah. for, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, what's what do you think they're going to do to take the next step in this offseason? Is, is it attack? I mean, I'm not sure what their cap situation is. Are they going to be active in free agency? Are they going to look to – kind of just continue building through the draft you know what's what's the forecast for for detroit here coming up so i think that you know they'll, they'll have money to spend more than they've had under brad holmes i think this will be the most they've had they don't have i don't think it's like the most or anything like that but it's enough it's enough to go out and i think that they'll spend uh some on defense uh, i would expect them to probably sign a corner somewhere i kind of think they should sign a linebacker i'm not sure if they will but i kind of feel like they should um but I definitely think we'll see them sign at least one corner, uh, maybe both. And I think also we could see them draft multiple corners. I think obviously co finding a corner in the first round there with one of those two picks uh, feels as close to a necessity as we've seen out of any of the Lions picks in this regime here. And it's it's a good year to have that, I guess, because you've got Porter, you got Witherspoon, you got Gonzalez. I think any of those guys would be good fits for Detroit and they need more than one. They need like three, <laughs> frankly. So uh, uh, they have a lot, uh, a lot of holes still to fill the defensive side, but the offense, I mean, it's, it's pretty good when everything clicks. I mean, it's, it's ready to go in a lot of places. So we'll see how Jamison Williams comes together too. Uh, this offseason. that'll be big for him. Uh, see how he runs around in the spring and such, but I would expect him to spend more this year. Yeah. We'll see where it all pans out though. Well, one free agent, potential free agent that I have had my eye on or earmarked for the, for the Bears probably sneaking in and maybe signing him is, is DJ Shark. And then I, I, I mm. feel like he's a guy that throughout his career is, is giving you that that deep speed, that that deep threat, yeah. you know, playmaking ability. I know he had some inconsistencies with, with injuries and, and all that stuff. So, you know, what's the forecast in Detroit for DJ Shark? Are they going to try and resign him? Is he a guy that the Bears could and may target in terms yeah, of I don't bringing know. Him that good. big play element here? That's a really good question. I, I think that they like, I know they like him a lot. Like he's a really good dude. Um, and I think that he's one that I think might get, he would be a really good fit for a team exactly like Chicago. And I, 
for that exact reason, I wonder if he gets more money than the Lions are willing to spend uh, to bring him back. And and that would be something that I've almost wondered, you know, because they have so many picks uh, in the top three rounds, you know, where receiver falls on their, you know, sort of draft list as well, because they've got guys on prove-it deals. Josh Reynolds is, is another one that's been on one, but Chark was on the biggest uh, prove-it deal. I think it was like up and down, he had some injuries, but when he was healthy and he finished the year healthy and played really well for them down the stretch and was himself, I felt like down the stretch. Um, he's a really good player. Comes back to the ball, uh, you know, underrated in a lot of areas up in the air um, and just a really, really good guy. Like, I think he helped them a ton. Uh, they had problems, not problems, but they were worried earlier in the year about, you know, losing Jameson Williams because mentally, because he was not, you know, there every day. He was, he was hurt. But I think Chark was really big um, with helping keep him involved and all that. So good locker room guy too, to have on your team. Yeah, that, that's definitely definitely a, a player that I've earmarked. And again, he's, he's yeah, a guy, a you know, He's in. He's been in the league for what I think four years now. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, so it was a Pro Bowl or uh, yeah, for I believe his rookie or second year, um, one of the two. Yeah, and, and, and then, he can run when he's healthy. Yeah, and then he, uh, and then just it just seems like a guy like I think the Bears are, are going to be targeting guys that are you know in that mid twenties, not mm-hmm. guys in the thirties. And so I, I know that's a guy that they're looking for guys that can create some separation and obviously with yeah. his speed, big play and ability, I think he's a guy that they fit. can target. So. Uh, I just got word that, that Aldo lost power. So we were talking about oh, no. and all that oh, stuff. Man. So Aldo has lost power. He's, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to go ahead and try and jump on. Um, Neil, do you have another question for, for our guest here tonight? Yeah, I was just uh, wondering if you have any birdies in your ear uh, telling you uh, any sort of uh, inside uh, deals of what's going to happen with that first pick. Uh, no, I mean, I, I have wondered as much as everybody else. Um you know, I don't my my big my biggest question that I guess I would have going in quarterback wise next week is how much are teams willing to give up to go get to go make sure they can get Bryce Young or you know if they like Stroud or whatever it may be. But I think Young is probably going to be the consensus guy, and I'm not sure I'm not sure it's going to be enough. Maybe, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. I'm not I'm not on the slam dunk. They're going to have the, the the Godfather deal to be able to realistically say, okay, we're going to move down and get out of here for whatever you get back. I mean, obviously, I think that would be the best scenario involved, and I think it's very possible. And I think that that's one of those things that you never know until the day because teams will lie, they make stuff up, and next week's going to be even <laughs> it's going to crank through the roof with some of that too. But I just I look at the position Chicago's in right now, and worst-case scenario is you draft Jalen Carter. And to me, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? Where it's like – man, you just put that pole right in the ground and say, you're not running on us. I don't care about anything else. You know, like we'll figure out the rest as we go. The Lions did that with Panay Sewell. And I loved it when they did that with him. And it was, they, they didn't take fields. If you you guys remember, I mean, they, they could have at the mm-hmm. time. I mean, a lot of us thought maybe they will, and they didn't, wouldn't have been a bad pick, but they weren't ready for him. And they took Sewell, put it in the ground and go. I think that if you can't make a trade, that's what I'd probably do is take her. I mean, he's a really good player. I think, the character stuff, I have not heard that. I don't know where that all comes from. And frankly, if he is nasty, I really don't care either. I yeah. think that would be probably That's good for him. Right. Right? Like, yeah. I think he's a really good player. And I think that, like, worst case scenario, it's a good year to have that pick. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I've sort of thought about it for Chicago. You're not going to get a dud. Like, that's that's not going to happen there either way. And if they can trade down and get one of those guys, all the better. But, yeah, we'll see. But that's one 
I'm curious to see it too. Like how much does Bryce Young help himself? Does he become a guy where teams say we have to go get him? He's generational, you know, I don't know if he's that guy. I mean, I think he's QB one in this draft, but I'm not sure if he's a guy that you're going all in for your whole life to go get. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Right. One thing and, I got, you know, me and Danny are also on the same page with that. I think, you know, in, in, in terms of, I know Danny, you, you have like all kinds of gripe with people on Twitter right now, suggesting different yeah. draft scenarios for Justin Fields and, I won't even acknowledge that he's not them. the guy and everything even, else. Acknowledge those questions. No, you shouldn't either. I mean, those are foolish. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you, Fields is terrific. It's, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think there is a true generational quarterback in this draft. I think, no. you know, Bryce by default is, is you know, QB1. And he's good. I don't want to say that he's not. He's very good, but I'm not sure that I right. would, you know what I mean? And I could be wrong. There could be a team that says, like Indy or something, could say, we want to make sure that we don't get this wrong. You know, and they could just say, we're going all in. We don't care. Because they have a team that, you know, if they put Bryce Young on their roster, they'd be right back in it. You know what I mean? Maybe they're willing to give up all that. And then if you're you're Chicago, you just sit there and you get Carter or Anderson, one of the two, and on you go with another, with a load of picks. So I think they're in a good spot either way. I really do. I don't think that that top, I wish they had that one at the bottom of the first. I still wish they had the top of the second, whatever the hell that is. I wish they had that still. That that could be through a lot. Day yeah, that, man, that's kinda... a stinger because that really yeah. could help them a ton. Could really yep. speed things up for them, yeah. The, the one team that no one talks about, but I think it's lying in the weeds there, is, is the Panthers. Keep an eye on Carolina. You know, they're at number yeah, nine. Yeah, I think if they can make a move, too, to go up, you know, and I think that they probably are ready to do that. I would hope so. <laughs> After all these years of waffling, but I, I think that they have what it takes to do it. And, yeah, Detroit and Seattle, I think, would be willing – more than willing to trade. So I think it's there if they want to do it. With with the new coach there and the fact that today uh, the, the new uh, Ever, the defensive coordinator, said that they're switching to a 3-4 base scheme, oh, which did. obviously oh, all know they were 4-3. So, you okay. know, maybe Ryan Burns now becomes available and you can use him as, oh. as, a, as a chip for to the Bears to, you know, to move You know up. what? That is interesting. I did hear about a little something about that the other day. Uh, yeah, maybe. That's a good point. That's a very so, good point. Ryan yeah. Carolina. Looks like I've got Aldo back. Hey, Aldo. Yeah, I lost my connection there and uh, scrambled back. So I apologize if the my qu- next question has already been addressed. But uh, Nick, I was wondering, you know, on the one of the, your latest articles over at the Athletic, you posted your big board 3.0, mm-hmm. and one of the comments made by you and/or your uh, co-author on that piece is that uh, currently the big board, you thought perhaps wide receivers were being overvalued uh, on this board and that cornerbacks were undervalued. Can you mm-hmm. expound on that a little more? And I know that Ryan Poles, the Bears uh, 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 general manager, has said that he is going to be looking heavily at the premium positions and he included cornerbacks. So I'm wondering if you've got a couple of cornerback yeah. names for us that we could potentially look at on early day three. Yeah, it's a great corner class uh, at the top. Uh, and like you say, like Ryan said, the, the premium spots uh, for corner and the receiver thing. Yeah. The consensus board, you know, which we take probably 15 or 20, whatever it is, and put them together. Still way too high. I feel like on Addison and Quentin Johnston and Jackson Smith and Jigba, those are probably the top three. Um, you know, you can argue on some of the other ones or whatever, maybe in there too, Jalen Hyatt, maybe, but I feel like all of them are too high. I feel like you can wait on all of them. You can always wait on receivers flowers uh, in the second round down to the second round those are really good players too and i just feel like everybody no one is going to be in any rush 
to do that. I don't see any generational type, you know, prospect here unless, you know, something changes in somebody's mind one way or the other. But the corners, I think, are being a little bit slept on, as we often see uh, this time of year. I think that could pick up. Like, Christian Gonzalez is going to run really well. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, if you wa- he's a tape guy. You watch his tape. I mean, there's just no real holes to his game. Joey Porter's got all that length, and he hits and runs banks. The kid from Maryland's really good. Uh, Forbes from Mississippi State. Uh, and then on and on. I mean, there were guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Darius Rush I, from South Carolina, I thought, was one of the best players, period, at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely. You can go all the way down into, like, the middle to the, of the third round and get uh, probably a guy that could start right now. Like, that's what I feel like uh, for the most part there. So um, after that, it gets a little dicey. But, I mean, like, I agree with him. Like, that's it's a really good year to need a corner <laughs> or to need multiple corners because there are a lot of them. Uh, who I think are game ready and ready to go. Got a question from J2K. He says, what round range do you see Olu Olutwatimi going, and do you think he's a starting center in the NFL? You know, I that was a question I had going into the Senior Bowl, and I thought, was he going to be a guy who could push himself into day two? And I didn't think that he did enough there. I just didn't. I thought that he struggled um, – with some of the things that I had questions about in terms of speed, in terms of is he showing enough power against some of the bigger and more powerful guys at the point of attack. And I think it was too much stalemate for my liking there, um, which is fine, I guess, to a degree. And I think he'll still be a high day three pick. Like I think that he is a capable center. And I think he's a guy that is going to be smart enough, depending on where he lands, that yeah, if he if he if he finds himself in a spot where he has to start a game, I would have no, I don't know how well it would go, but I think he could get through it. You know what I mean? Like I think that as a rookie, he'll be able to figure it out and find his way through it. He's a really smart player. That's what I would say the most about him, and that's why I was hesitant to totally ding him after the Senior Bowl because that's just a one week. You know that that you don't really have an advantage uh, cerebrally there. Like he came to Michigan and learned their their whole scheme in like two months, which is super crazy to have that whole thing picked up and was phenomenal. So um, he could surprise people. I think that he could be a pretty good player when it's all said and done and a valuable guy too. The one thing I wish he'd showed a little bit more foot speed because I feel like he's only a center. I don't know if he could be a guard uh, at the next level. And that's where I was kind of wondering if he could show that. Yeah, you hit on two points on him real quick, although do you want to jump in here real quick? Because I've been studying him as well. Very interesting background. Obviously started at Air Force, went to Virginia, yeah. started for three years, and it started – so he's a four-year starter basically in, in yeah, college. Yeah, really good player. Very, very smart kid. Mm-hmm. His physicality at, at the line of scrimmage, I think, on, his, on tape, you can see it. You know, he's got the strengths. But for me, I, I see him more as, as a gap power scheme kind of yeah. player, not, not a guy like the Bears are looking here for – wide zone stuff right because right. like if baltimore needed a center <laughs> he'd be good yeah, there right? exactly you know they don't. the ravens I'm, I'm thinking maybe even dallas you know they, they yeah, usually, i don't yeah. know about now with mccarthy maybe. but there's a lot of power yeah. or you know gap blocking so i think he's a nice fit there but definitely an interesting kid and, and definitely a guy i think you know has his sure. strong suits but he's got to be fit in the, in the right system the right, right speed. for sure i agree with that Tony, the pod boss is asking if you could give a, an nfl player comp for mozzie smith who would it be nick Oh man, I'm not sure. In a, I don't. I hate the comps, but I, I don't know because I feel like we haven't seen. And this is what I would say: I don't know because I don't think we've seen his best stuff yet. I think he is one of the up, up, like one of the arrow. And after the combine, I think it's going to be even higher. But I think Bruce uh, Feldman had him on his number one on the freaks list last year. Um, every, and I've been watching him since he was in high school, uh, and I remember 
all when all he had was just punch and power and all that explosion off the line and all that in the lower half. Uh, he is a freaky, freaky guy who I think didn't figure it out until really late in his career at Michigan. I mean, it was you're not talking maybe a year and a half ago, and I was wondering, is he going to get drafted? Like, because what a waste that would be, right? If he can't figure it out. And it wasn't for any other, I mean, he's a good kid. I think they all like him in there. It was just, you know, he was really raw. And so that's why I would say there, there's a really high ceiling there. And I, I think he's going to be a guy that at worst is hard to move. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that he's going to be, uh, I'm not sure he gets out of the thirties. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's, that's where we're talking about with him and, that could be on the rise uh, after next week for sure. Yeah, the only question with Smith is is because right now he's he's going to be a, a, a you know run stuffing defensive tackle. Yeah. The question is, can he give you more in terms of give you more, path right. rush? And I think I agree with you, Nick. I, I think he wasn't utilized to his full potential at, at Michigan. Yeah. I think he gives you some more in terms of being able to pierce those gaps, get up get upfield, and be a, be a penetrator. Right. You know, if allowed to, I think he was doing a lot more two gapping there in Michigan. So I think that stopped him. But that's a kid that if you get him, you know. If you get him at you said oh, thirty, yeah. but if you get him in a third or fourth round, I think you could potentially oh start yeah. here. And, and if you put him next to somebody else who's good, like that's really where we're talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you because at Michigan, like you said, I mean, even if it's not two gap, they were gap and a half. So if you're putting him somewhere next to someone that's good and you just let him go one on one, yeah, he could be really, really explosive right away. Uh, J2K bought the two questions for one uh, package. Uh, he asked, what position do you think Mike Morris ends up on the defensive line in the NFL? 4-3 edge, 3-4, 5 tech. Any thoughts on that? I, I think he's a like a 4-3, 5 tech. I think he's like a heavy edge. Um, but I'm curious to see how he runs. I am very interested to see how he runs. He He is one of those guys that just like – he gets it done, I guess. He, he piles up pressure numbers, and you look at the you look at the numbers every week, and it would be, oh, there he is again, there he is again, there he is again, like Aiden Hutchinson level pressure numbers. And Morris, you know, the knock on Hutchinson was always, you know, everything is hustle, which was not correct. Morris, I worry a lot of it is hustle. It's because he plays so hard. I'm really curious to see how he tests, because um, if he tests really well, I think Dane likes him more than I do actually. Um, if he tests well, then I think that, you know the stock could be up on him too. Cause if he, if he shows that he can get out and move a little bit and play and drop and cover, cause they didn't really ask him to ever do that in Michigan. I think Hutchinson rarely did it maybe ever, maybe twice like his entire Michigan career, but I don't think Morris really ever did. If he can show some of that, then I think that that versatility really opens up and I think things get a little different for him. Neil, do you got a final question for uh, Nick? And, and then I'll ask Danny the same question. Yeah, sure. It's, it's not really a question, more like a comment. But uh, you know, when I go on your your Twitter page, the, the one thing you have in your bio that really sticks out is my top source is your tape. You know, yeah. we we talk all the time about how you know the, the tape is really the main thing that matters in the evaluation process. Right. You know, these these underwear Olympic type events are great and everything else. And you know, like we touched on earlier, what's great about these things is it's you're able to get kids in the room with you, get them on the board, get the medical staff with them, and everything else. But when it comes down to it. What you see on tape is what you got to go and make decisions right. off of how you organize your board and everything else. And that is from, you know, team to team all across the league between me and Danny, you know, we do this professionally and everyone else like us. That's just the way that it works, man. You know, it's mm -hmm. like all, all these other, all this other minutia, all these other things that are floating around the internet and Twitter sphere, everything else doesn't matter it's, it's all about the tape and you know i, I just I, I just appreciated that quote i wanted to go ahead and point that out because i, I think that, that well speaks said. volumes yeah i agree completely 
Annie. And for me, is since since Nick and I agree on the Justin Fields angle, I, I need yes. another angle that that I need. Him, maybe he can back me up on this one as well, because I've been battling okay. my, my Twitter followers on the same thing here. <laughs> Please, Nick, tell me you do not agree with giving Saquon Barkley a contract and just going and let's draft a quarter a running back. I, I do not give running backs. I don't care how great they are, long term, uh, especially off ACL. You know, the ACL gives me has gives me pause. Um... But he's like the one guy that I would that I would make the exception. Oh, Nick, we're, we were he's so the doing one so well guy. together. He's the one <laughs> guy because I just, especially with that team right now, too. You know what I mean? Like they're in a bit of a spot there. I feel like I get you though. I get where you're coming from because it's like, you know, I think that there's more you can get out of Saquon than we've seen with the Giants, even than what they've run for him. I think when I think of him, I think of, uh, I think of a guy that can catch the ball and do some things like that too, but. At the same time, yeah, I mean, he's going to take a lot more punishment. He's already had the injuries. That's tough. I mean, it's a tough spot for the Giants, too, because they really can't afford to lose much talent. They they made it to where they were last year, you know, on really good coaching, and that was pretty much it. And take one, and that was pretty much it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, but, like, I would have said similar about Zeke Elliott a couple years ago, and I wouldn't now. So, yeah, the injury history is, is definitely troubling. So, I mean, I, I'm probably coming around – probably closer to you, Dan, that I would. Because, but I love him. I mean, I think he's an awesome player, like one of the best with the ball in his hands that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. But, yeah. yeah the, the, the talent is unquestionable. But, but yeah. you know, he wants 14, 15 million a year mm, for multiple yeah. years. And then – and plus – Depends on me, how many uh, years, right? Like how many years? Like three <laughs> – like what six? Like I mean, right. I don't know about that, you know. So yeah, and right. the other thing is, for me, I don't know if you agree. I think this is a, a heavy or deep running back class. I think you can yeah. get a guy yeah. on day three that can come in and, and compete and and be potentially a starter with, for you, you know, oh, yeah. uh, if not first year, or second year for sure. So that's what I'm saying. You already have Khalil Herbert. If you lose David Montgomery, you know, to go ahead and, and you have so many holes up front. Now, if the Bears are run one player away, one running back away. That's a different story, right? But they are—they have the offensive, defensive line issues, not to mention depth and other positions. So that's why I keep telling people, like, you cannot just—you have the money. Doesn't mean you have to spend it all in, in one off season. So you got to be, got to be smart. I just, I just. No, I would not sign long. him. I no, I'm talking about if I were the Giants, I would do that, not the Bears. Right. No, to okay. be clear, absolutely right. not. No way, because no, I totally agree with you. Actually, and Herbert is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I feel right. like he is a guy that I for the lions i always look at and i will i'm like oh if they ever drop him like, I'll be like that would be the guy that i would bounce on but no chicago they have other problems not that that's not something that's going to fix anything for them they have a lot of other yeah, problems. they have a lot of other issues <laughs> sure. nick this has been a blast talking to you uh, please tell our followers uh where they can find you on social media and anything that you got coming up on the athletic that we should be uh, keeping an eye for yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at Nick Baumgartner. Just uh, how it is, uh, N-I-C-K-B-A-U-M-G-R-D-N-E-R. Uh, also on Instagram uh, at Nick Baumgartner FB uh, and TikTok, same thing. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got a uh, mock draft actually coming next week, I believe. So stay tuned for that and uh, probably some more stuff from the Combine. So uh, should be fun. Do you have the Bears trading down in your upcoming mock? Not yet. Not yet, but we still have time. I haven't filed it yet, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Nick, we'll let you go, and uh, we will be right back after this quick message. Hey, everyone, want to let you know that Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski are co-hosting a private draft talk party. That's right. It's private. 
For 90 minutes, you can join the Draft on Tap co-hosts and get the type of quality draft talk you yearn for as much as I yearn for my maker's mark. You lead the discussion. Talk about your favorite prospect and get Danny and Neil's analysis. If you want, share your favorite mock with the guys or bring up a prospect off everyone's radar. The cost is only a $10 donation, or as we say here at the barroom, a $10 cover charge. You'll get 90 minutes of your personalized draft talk and even get a copy of the video to share with your friends. Now, there are only seven slots available. That's right, only seven, so you must act fast. What you need to do is email me at aldo at bearsbarroom.com. Tell me you want to party with the guys, and I'll get you the information you need. The party is Wednesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Central, so don't hesitate. It's only a $10 donation, the cost of a beer and a shot of whiskey. <laughs> I still... I still wonder, really, ten dollars for a beer and a shot of whiskey? Not, not Neil's part of this city, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, and then the line says party with the guys. Well, you find yourself. I think of something different when you say party with the guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> but uh, we do have a couple of slots left over, so hopefully uh, we can fill those. I know lots of people are have been inquiring about the date, the time, cancellation policy, and so forth. So uh, just hit me up at Aldo at Bears barroom.com and i'll answer all your questions and we'll get this party started next wednesday at this time next wednesday so it, it's, it's going to be a lot it, you know people have a lot of questions uh, people have prospects they want to talk about people have mock drafts they want to take a look at and mm-hmm. and the uh, only thing i ask about the mock drafts is let, let's keep it to a reasonable amount of picks we don't want you know 20 picks here to go through guys i know i know that the trade <laughs> machine gives you a lot of off you know different different uh, scenarios there so let's let's keep it to a a more realistic in terms of you know overall draft class. I don't think Ryan Pulse is coming out with twenty five picks out of this draft, but no. hey, you never know. No, you know it's funny because things have happened. Really, that, that, true. But there was a guy on uh, Twitter who posted his mock draft, and he had like it was close to twenty. I didn't count them, but it had to be around twenty draft picks because he kept trading down and trading down and trading down. And I'm like, really? Do you really think that's ever going to happen? It, any team in NFL history, that's never happened. I, I think the biggest thing was the Ricky Williams Saints trade where they traded the entire draft for, for somebody, but that still didn't amount to 20 draft picks. So it gets it certainly gets ridiculous. So hopefully you guys can join us, uh, Barflies, join us at the party, bring your mock drafts, bring your questions. You guys will be the stars of this, and then you'll also walk away with the, your own copy of the video so that you can share with friends because it will not be live uh, on the Barroom Network. This is a private party, so uh, uh, really looking forward to your involvement on that. All right, guys, um, it is time for us uh, in the last few minutes here of the show to talk about the Combine and what you're expecting to see, what you're hoping to see, and were there any players who were not invited to the Combine that you are disappointed that they're they're not going to be there next week? So, uh, Danny, we'll start with you. Yeah, in terms of the combine, I have, I have a lot of thoughts, so I, I'm I'm gonna try and, and narrow them down here for you. I know because I only have a couple minutes left, but in terms of just the, the snubs, the guys that I'm surprised weren't there, and I'm curious to hear uh, Neil's uh, thoughts on these guys as well. Is the first guy I have is, is Carl Brooks, the defense tackle from Bowling Green. I think he showed well 
over at, at the at the Senior Bowl last you know last week or two weeks ago, and I, I think he's a guy that during you know during the practices continued to kind of stick out, and I think you know he continued to make plays, you know you know put on his tape. He's a guy that's athletic. Uh, they use him you know at, at as an outside edge rusher and from a two point stance at Bowling Green, but he's a guy that you know, is going to at three hundred three six three three hundred three. It's going to probably kick into defensive tackle. So you know, he's a guy that I was surprised didn't show up. Uh, Aubrey Miller, guys, the linebacker from Jackson State, uh, he was all over the field in terms of the senior bowl practices, uh, even even the, the seven-on-sevens, even the team drills. You see him coming in and, and, and knocking that ball out with, with the peanut punch. So he's a kid that, you know, a little bit undersized at 5'11", 229, but, you know, the Bears are in the market for – you know, some, some linebackers here. So, you know, that could, that could be a guy to keep an eye on. Unfortunately, he won't be at, at the combine, but you know, as, as the, as the process continues, Aubrey Miller from Jackson state is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Marte uh, Mapu is the safety from Sacramento state that really uh, kind of took off, made a name for himself at the collegiate bowl and then was invited down to, to mobile. And he's a guy that was just thumping guys uh, at, at the senior bowl. So he's a, he's a big safety from, from Sacramento state, six, three, two seventeen. Some see him as a tweener, possibly a, a linebacker, you know, slash safety. So interesting, you know, he's a guy that didn't, didn't, didn't uh, get the call in a guy that I saw personally over at the East West shrine game is offense tackle Trevor Reed from Louisville. You know, the, the guy's got the the size in terms of six, four, 297, 34 plus inch arm length. Um, he's a guy that, that could, you know, play uh, left tackle, could even kick inside the guard possibly, but he's showed the athletic ability, but at least, you know, be tried out there at, at left tackle. So he's a guy that didn't come up. And finally, he's a, you know, BJ Thompson, the edge guy from Stephen F. Austin, you know, a guy who, who had a sack in the East West Shrine game, uh, got key with length, 6'5", 238, 34 plus inch arms, quick off the snap. So these are some of the guys that for me were omitted that, that I thought should, should be, you know, should have been invited at least to, to the, to the combine and, and, and participated there. So, those are my snubs. I'm curious to see what, what, what Neil thinks. And then in terms of the guys that I'm looking forward to, um, uh, Aldo is, is, you know, offensively is, is the guy I saw down in the East West Shrine game. Antoine Green, North Carolina, big receiver, 6'2", 201. Kid averaged 19 yards a catch this past season. Didn't have that many, many, uh, uh, you know, yards in terms of, I think, he had 500 yards. But he had seven touchdowns. The season before, 18 yards per reception. So he's another kid to, to, you know, to look at the question with him, along with the other guy I'm looking at here is A.T. Perry from, from Wake Forest. They're bigger receivers. The question is their speed. You know, if, if Perry runs anywhere in the four or fives, I think he's going in the second round. That's how much of a big playmaker he is, you know, down the football field. Uh, and I think Green as well. He, he runs in a high four or five. He's a guy that can get second, third round. Well, not second round, probably third, fourth round consideration. Uh, but definitely a guy that, that's, that's made plays, you know, throughout his collegiate career. I know, I know that's that's a, a huge position we're looking at. So obviously, Jordan Addison from USC. I want to see him go through all the drills. He's a guy that had up and down season coming off uh, the Blitnikoff Award from last year at Pitt when he was with uh, uh, with, with, with the quarterback that Kenny Pickett that uh, the Steelers drafted. So he had a great year. Went to USC, had up and down year. He's a guy that to me coming into this process was my number one receiver. But I want to see him go out there. I want to see him, you know, put on a show. You know, show that he's he's going to go ahead and compete and, and and go through all the drills. So that's a kid, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Obviously, came on this year as, as a gangbuster. Won the Blitnikoff this year. He's a big play potential guy. He's a guy that that I've heard has been telling people he's going to run a four-two flat. So I want him to see him go out there and see if he can do that. Because if he does that, that's a guy that the, talking about the Bears bringing in possibly second round as a guy that can bring you big play. Deep, deep speed, home run potential there. Uh, Cedric Tillman, his teammate at Tennessee, is a guy I really like. Another guy that had ankle surgery this year, up and down season, didn't put the, the stats up that everyone expected, but he's a guy 
a different kind of cat in terms of him and Hyatt. Hyatt's more of that deep vertical speed guy. Tillman's more of that big body guy that can catch through contact. You know, a guy that could that could be a, a num- potential number one receiver down the line. Uh, Michael Wilson, a kid from Stanford that Neil, I think you and I both agreed on, showed some you know Fair something sure. there at, at at the Senior Bowl. You know, six two, two plus. 100 pounds, you know, in terms of creating some separation and in terms of his, his release at the line of scrimmage was, was, you know, impressive for me. So that's a guy, again, had some up and downs in terms of injuries at his, at his career at Stanford. So those are the offensive guys that I'm really looking at. You know, I have a ton of more here, guys, in terms of offense receivers. So I'm going to kind of limit it short here. Uh, but in, to offensive line, the, the one guy that I'm really looking forward to, guys, is Peter Skoronsky. I want to see what his measurables are. You know, does he have the length? You know, I, I've heard under 32. I've heard 33 over. You know, we, you know, you know, athletically, he looks like he could play the left tackle position. You know, if, if we're talking about different trade scenarios with the Bears, you know, if they do trade down to that 9, 10, 11 spot, it could be a position where you bring in a kid like Skoransic, or he can maybe play left tackle, left guard for you. You can go ahead and either you know trade or or, um, or get rid of Whitehair, and then have your future left side there uh, manned up with with Braxton Jones and, and Skoransic. So that's a that's a that's a player I'm keeping an eye on there on the offensive end. So I don't know if, uh, if you want me to throw it over to Neil, have him go over some of his players, and before I go on defense, I just should just go through my list right now. Aldo, what do you what do you want me to do here? Throw it over to Neil. That way we don't uh, we don't lose him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just laughing because I love how Danny starts off with like a really complicated last name and just kind of holds on to his ass throughout the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, Peter Peter's crazy. You know, and, <laughs> you know about, yeah. hey, no, his team on you know, defensive side, I just call him Double A. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, hey, you know, it, it's, it's an endearing quality about you, kid. I appreciate it. But no, I mean. Skoronsky, right? Skoronsky. Skoronsky. Yeah. There you go. Nice Polish name. Exactly. Exactly. Got to learn how to pronounce that stuff after being with me for two years. Um, Snubs-wise, right there with you, man. Like The first one that I looked at that list and thought of was the Carl Brooks kid from Bowling Green. I mean, I don't understand how you leave a kid off with those type of measurables, with that kind of performance set. And not not to say that he blew Cedar Bowl a week out of the water by any stretch of the imagination – but you know he was there. He 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 went through all the drills. He you know he, he wasn't one of those guys that you know only performed practice and didn't play the game or went through a day or two of practice and you know was kind of you know pondering whether or not he was going to play the game or not. Did everything, and he did it with great effort. And he has some really good energy, and he has all the measurables. And he went through an entire uh, you know career at Bowling Green with incredible production. So I, f- I feel like that that was like the one big miss to me that you know. I'm looking at that list and thinking to myself, how in the hell is this kid not in here? Um, overlooked Aubrey Miller a little bit, not going to lie, but, uh, um, you know, it, he, he was he was a kid that uh, I didn't really know too much about going into Senior Bowl week that I saw that that liked a little bit, was a guy that I wanted to keep, keep an eye on. I was looking for Isaiah Land, and I thought, holy cow, they're not including this kid in into the combine. But then I looked at the defensive line list, and and they included him with the D line, which I don't think he's going to be. I think he's going to be an interior linebacker. You know, he's a little bit of, of an undersized kid, and with his kind of athletic ability, you want that kid in space. I think. So I think that was interesting to me. The Mapu kid, once you brought it up, I thought it was was an incredible miss as well from Sac State. Um, you know, that being said. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys move around next week. I mean, I have, I have a massive list again, like, you know, Danny said, I'm going to try and keep this kind of consolidated and concise. Um, you know, some of these uh, offensive guys uh, at the senior bowl, specifically the linemen that I want to see move around in drills that I, I didn't get to see enough of. I wanted to see more of, like we talked about, 
uh, with Nick McClendon Curse from Chattanooga. I want to see what he tests at. I want to I want to see like how he does in in some offensive line specific drills. Um, you know, Asim Richards is one that worked out of five different positions from North Carolina. I think he played the game of left tackle, um, but he worked out at, at, like I said, all five different positions, did a really good job, especially in the one-on-ones, you know, holding his own against uh, bigger, stronger, faster dudes. Um, Osiris Torrance is that big body left guard, the All-American from Florida, that I want to see how he does, you know, moving around in the agilities and to see if he's a guy that, that can work out in Chicago. Darnell Wright was a kid that I absolutely loved. And, you know, again, we thought that, you know, he didn't win every single rep of one-on-ones. We thought he looked a little bit stiff at times. I, I loved his competitive nature. I loved his, his, uh, his toughness and, and his you know, prick mentality. And those are the type of dudes that I want in the locker room. So if he does a good enough job in these agility drills, I would definitely want him in Chicago. Uh, some of the offensive linemen that weren't there, the little bit more high-profile guys, uh, like you know Paris Johnson from Ohio State, Broderick Jones from Georgia, I think it's going to absolutely demolish the competition in, in all these agility drills and in the 40 and in the explosion drills, everything else. That, that, that kid's been athletic for days. It was just a matter of him putting on enough weight to play you know, outside in the SEC. Uh, you know, Peter Skronsky, like Danny said, looking forward to see like what he measures in at, you know, how he performs in, in all these things. I think he's another guy that's that's gonna absolutely blow the you know, blow the thing away. Andrew Voorhees from USC, Luke Weipler from Ohio State, Brian Downs from Utah. There's some other guys that I haven't really got a whole lot of uh, you know, um, you know, opinion on yet that I'm I'm still formulating and want to see measurables, want to see them move around in drills and you know, things of that nature. On the other side of the line, um Defensively, the guy that's going to absolutely blow away the competition, Tommy Adebowori from uh, you know Northwestern, um, another name that uh, I love to hear Danny say three times fast. Double uh, A, absolutely. Double A. Double A. That's what I'm going to call him. There you Double go. A. There you go. <laughs> Double A. Um, go to AA. Uh, AA meetings with Tommy Adebowori is going to be uh, interesting. I think all week for you know a lot of these uh, you know scouts and executives. And, you know, just to get him on the board and just get him in person. I think he's going to be an absolutely uh, outstanding interview. And I think he's going to really blow some people away with his personality, with, with uh, you know, his you know, particular character. And then Keanu Benton is another guy that I'm expecting to absolutely, you know, tear this combine up. Um, Dylan Horton's going to have absurd numbers. Will McDonald's going to have absurd numbers. Both those guys did really well during the week. Will McDonald, I think, was my defensive player of the week, to be honest with you. The more I think about it, the more I go back in the film and look at it. I really like everything that he did. You got some really, uh, uh, you know, versatile guys like Keon White, like Lucas Van Ness. That's going to be there. Um, uh, what's what's my uh, other guy there that uh, I really like? You know, versatility wise, um, I'm blanking. That's okay. Keon White from Georgia Tech was down there in Mobile. Lucas Van Ness, we talked about a little bit tonight from Iowa. He's going to have great measurables. He's going to have great athleticism. He's a guy that's going to be able to project a, a few different ways, just a matter of how you want to go ahead and throw him into your mix. Um, Isaiah Land, I think, is a guy that could potentially work at, at the second level. I don't know if he's going to be able to work for us, but I want to see him do linebacker stuff. I don't want to just see him do defensive line stuff. I want to see him do linebacker stuff because I think that's where he really popped to me throughout the week. Uh, down in Mobile, and especially during the game was when he was playing at the second level and, and able to make plays in space. It was really interesting to me. Uh, other guys from the linebackers room-wise, I mean, to take a step back for a second, Will Anderson was another one that, that's uh, being put into the linebacker drills mm-hmm. um, down there in Indianapolis, which I thought, also thought was interesting considering he's going to be a guy on the edge. But I guess 
you know, when you got when you have guys that light playing on the edge, you want to make sure that they have outside linebacker responsibility uh, ability as well. Um, but uh, in, in terms of guys that would play the second level for us, I think Jeremy Banks is going to be interesting to watch. Jack Campbell, Servasia Dennis was down there. Mobile looked good in one on ones. Ivan Pace is undersized, but plays bigger than he is. He's going to test really well. He's going to uh, have some great numbers, and it'll just be a matter of you know how much we value a guy like that that is going to be at 5'10", 210, you know, 10, 225, about 30 pounds when it's all said and done with, uh, you know, really good speed, really good toughness, really good physicality, you know, could be a little bit of a, uh, you know, move guy for us uh, in, in certain ways. Henry 202 what, from Alabama was supposed to be in Mobile, never showed up. Um, was a guy I was really excited to watch. Uh, Dorian Williams from Tulane. Tyrus Sweet from Mississippi State is a guy that I think is extremely versatile. Uh, they kind of played him off the edge at uh, Mississippi State a little bit, played him inside. They moved him around a lot at uh, 6'1", 6'2", uh, about 250 pounds. They have him listed at 260. He's not that big. I would be surprised if he actually shows up that big. But, you know, what they tell me is that he's not that big. But, you know, he's an extremely physical thumper type of dude that, you know, historically the type of dudes that we love here in Chicago. Um, on the offensive side of the ball in terms of uh, athletes, Looking at these wide receivers, Danny touched on a lot of these guys, like, you know, Jordan Addison, who, you know, again, won the uh, Blinnikoff last year, was uh, really highly regarded coming out of Pittsburgh, transferring into USC. And you can, you know, make a point that, you know, everything was a little bit on the, you know, chaotic side with new coach, new system, everything, you know, coming into play. Nothing really gelled towards the end there, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, Quentin Johnson, another guy with great size, great speed that that uh, is really highly regarded. Uh, Danny talked about Antoine Green. Um, Dante Demas is one that's really interesting to me, the kid from Maryland who I thought two years ago might have been coming out and to me would have been a day two guy, no doubt. He's had some injury issues since then. I'm interested to see how he looks running, how he looks in drills, what he does in uh, Indianapolis, and see if he is at the same level as as he was two years ago. Uh, They had three wide receivers down there in Maryland this year. You know, production split up, you know, multiple different ways. Um, you know, to his little brother was inconsistent as hell. And uh, it seemed like things were starting to fall apart at Maryland. So his production was down. Um, he's he's a really interesting kid to me. One that I'm kind of hanging on to that I'm holding out promise for. And maybe he does get back to that level that he was two years ago. And we're able to get him at a premium on day three. That's something that'd be really interesting to see. Uh, Charlie Jones, the really electric kid at, at, at Purdue uh, last year, highly productive, uh, you know, could protect the multiple positions uh, in, in the wide receiver room. And then, you know, the two guys that really stood out to me in, in Mobile, Jaden Reed and Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, to me, is is the one that really blew the doors off of, of his week down there in Mobile. Had a really nice year at Stanford, but, man, he, he did some excellent things down there in Mobile. Really looked like he took it seriously, like he wanted to win everything that he was involved in. I can't wait to see him continue this this sort of uh, mentality, this sort of attitude, this sort of, you know, uh, you know performance and production you know, throughout the entire week down there in, in uh, Indianapolis. Um, those are really sort of the things I'm, I'm looking at, you know, DBs wise, I'm not putting a whole lot of, of uh, you know, process into that right now. That's a little bit further on down my uh, priority list for me. Running backs wise, I have a short list of guys that I think would be interesting to, t- to uh, take note of, like Chase Brown, who we saw in Mobile, Zach Charbonnet we talked about before. Evan Hall had a good time and in, in, uh, had, had a good show in Mobile. Roshan Johnson, I can't remember what happened to him, why he had to take the rest of the week off, but he if he's healed up. I believe. I think he broke was his hand. hand. 
Yeah. If, if, if he's healed up, you'll get to see him actually do some stuff. I was hoping to, you know, get a good, you know, really good look at him in one-on-ones to see, you know, if, if he'd be a good fit. Um, we seem to like a fullback in our offense. The Hunter Lepke kid from North Dakota State is sort of like a fullback, uh, H-back, tight end, hybrid kid, 6'1", 240-plus pounds. He's going to run really well. He's going to jump really well. He has all kinds of, you know, physicality and nastiness about him. Could be a kid late to where if we have an embarrassment of riches, you know, in the sixth and seventh round, I don't know if he'll be there that long, but if we do, if we have a chance to take him on day three, that would be an interesting kid that I would, I would love to see in the locker room just from a culture standpoint, it's, uh, you know, toughness, toughness establishment standpoint. We'd love to see that kid there in Chicago. But, uh, you know, again, trying to keep that as, as concise as, as possible. Those are my thoughts on going down into uh, uh, Indianapolis for a combine week. Yeah, the defensively for my guys, although and, and and Will Anderson was was a guy that I'm I've been on on the record here and saying like I have questions in terms of him at the next level projecting him. Uh, curious where they they have him listed as a linebacker, which is where I'm projecting him as well as, as a three four outside linebacker. You know, with him, I like I said, I've been told he's going to be over two fifty in terms of weight. You know, so if, if he is two fifty, is, is it that just weight he did he put on for the combine? If so, uh, how is he going to run? You know, size. I want to see arm length. I want to see all, all of everything about Will Anderson because, like I said, I have a lot of questions about him. You know, my top edge guy is Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. The only question I have about him is his medical, is his foot, broken bone in his foot. Tall guys, big guys with with, with you know bad feet, uh, kind of scare me. So that's the thing I need to see how he comes through in terms of his his medical. Does he come you know clear? Is, is he participating at all? I had some reports that he might participate in some drills. So if he does participate at all, that, that that's great news for Tyree Wilson. Um, you know, two edge guys, you know, uh, nearly touched on one of them, guy that I'm in, totally in love with. And, and although you can attest to this, it's, it's Will McDonald from Iowa State. I know he's he's people consider him a hybrid guy. I think he's a guy that could give you some of that edge speed, you know, pass if you pass up on a guy like a Will Anderson, which or, or a Tyree Wilson, if you don't get him in that first, if you trade down. Will McDonough is a guy that can bring that, bring that speed, bring that bendability, uh, ability, his ability to turn the corner uh, is, 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 you know, almost second to none in this, in this draft class. The other guy, the Azuma kid from uh, Kansas state, another guy, undersized edge rusher, defensive line, both these guys, McDonough and Azuma were listed as defensive linemen. So that tells you guys where the NFL scouts, the NFL sees these guys at the next level. So that's a little bit of a precursor there. So, you know, Anderson listed a linebacker, Uzuma and, and McDonald listed a defensive lineman. So that, that's kind of a little bit of, of a little foretell here in terms of how the NFL sees these guys at the next level. Um, you know, real quick in terms of, you know, defensive back, I know, I know, uh, Neil said you haven't touched on this, but, you know, I, I think the Bears are going are to be in a market, whether it's a veteran free agent or in this draft class for a nickel corner. And, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go get an outside corner because you've already used, you know, your draft picks on that with, with, with the Gordon last year and then a couple of years before with Jalen Johnson. I think I kid like Chitavius Martin from Illinois. I know Witherspoon gets the big headlines, but Chitavius Martin was their nickel corner, and he is a damn pretty good cover corner in that slot position. So Chitavius Martin from Illinois, they got to keep an eye on guys as a potential day three, possibly nickel corner for you. And then a guy that both Neil and I loved, I think everyone loved on the mobile, Darius Rush from South Carolina. 6'1", 196, like I told you guys last week when we were reviewing the, the Senior Bowl stuff, he was running the routes for the receivers and, and those one-on-ones in those practices. So really just just really kind of stood out there. Uh, he's a guy that showed the ability, the, the lateral quickness and agility to possibly you know kick inside to play some nickel corner. Now he's a guy that you probably have to kind of maybe get second or third round is my guess. 
uh, just based off of what he did at, at the Senior Bowl. And then we'll see what he does at the Combine. But if he if he does, we talked about earlier, these guys taking that Senior Bowl week and kind of just riding the momentum into the Combine and now continuing that, that, that next level and kind of you know raising their stock. Darius Rush, the corner from South Carolina, is a guy to keep an eye on. If he runs a, a, a clean or a nice, you know, quick 40, um, and, he, and he does, you know, looks clean in, the, in those, those position drills, he's a guy I can easily see going in that second round now because of the, what he's done uh, in terms of, you know, his his tape and what, what he did at, at the senior bowl. So, you know, those are a lot of intrigue, a lot of guys I'm paying attention to. Um, obviously, you know, a, a lot of the scuttle button now comes out here with the comment. A lot of the agents are there. A lot of team executives are there, so we'll start hearing some things probably trickling out of there as well. But just strictly on the field, these are the these are the players that, that I'm specifically keeping an eye on. Yeah, you got any uh, defensive players you want to share with us? I I went through most of the list. I think there's a couple guys I missed on the uh, in terms of edge guys. Uh, you know, Danny touched on Felix and Aduke Uzoma from Kansas State. Uh, Habakkuk Baldonado from Pittsburgh uh, was really interesting to me. But, uh, you know, Tyree Wills from Texas Tech, I forgot to throw out there. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I've, I've gone through my list. I, I think, you know, again, I try to keep it as uh, – that was only about half the list that I wrote down here in terms of guys <laughs> I'm trying to keep an eye on throughout the entire event. I think of the 100, 200, 300, however many guys there are down there, I have half of them written down on, on my sheet. So um, I could go through everything. But, uh you know, the, uh, the defensive backs group is is one that I haven't had uh, too many opinions on as of yet. Like, you know, Danny said, we both really like the Darius Rush kid out of South Carolina. Unbelievable week down there in Mobile. Um, just every day of practice brought it and, you know, really blew everybody away. Was, was was a locker room favorite, was a fan favorite, was an executive favorite, you know, was, you know, a scout favorite. Everybody loved the kid. Um He's he's the one. Him and Michael Wilson, I think, are the are the two that are really riding a massive wave of momentum right now into this week here in Indianapolis. And we'll see what uh, what comes out of this week if they're still, you know, riding that wave or not. Um, I love what they did, and uh, those are, those are two guys I'm really keeping the closest eye on. I think, in, in in terms of just you know singular guys out of the offensive defensive sides of the ball that you know I liked on tape, didn't know I liked that much. And a position group that that to keep an eye on. Not that it's going to affect the Bears. Well, it'll affect them in a, in a roundabout way. Is the quarterback position? If see what Bryce Young measures in it. If he's under six feet, which is probably going to come in around five, five ten, five eleven, under two hundred pounds, that's going to be a, a, a something that that teams have to consider. Uh, but keep, I'm telling you guys, I told you guys earlier. Although I told you, Anthony Richardson is a guy is going to go in the top ten. And I'm telling you, this kid is is not ready. He's he's, he's you know you watch his tape. He is inconsistent to say the least. But that skill set, his arm is is a huge arm, quick release, athletic as heck, 6'4", 230 plus pounds. He's a guy that's going to that's going to if he's out there and he wows him in terms of his physical traits, which he should, you know, and he goes into the um, to the meeting rooms and now now starts you know impressing these coaches with some of the you know his, his ability to to kind of you know digest their playbook and kind of go up on that on that on that uh, chalkboard and write things out. A team's gonna gonna mortgage their future on this kid i'm telling you right now his skill set his toolbox could be the best in this entire group uh it's just he needs time he's not ready to start next year for you if you're a team so a team like we mentioned earlier with with nick a team like detroit a team like seattle you know a team that's got veteran quarterbacks that can start next year or next two years while this kid sits back and learns and, and becomes better keep an eye on on that group in terms of young richardson 
and also C.J. Stroud, how they perform throughout the week, because that's going to be real key, especially if, if a team falls in love with one of these guys and now looking to get up possibly to the first overall pick. And now that's where the Bears can now can start make, you know, making some some headway here in terms of uh, trading down and getting as much you know capital as they can get. I got to tell you, Richardson uh, has all the. Please go ahead. Okay, yeah, Anthony Richardson has uh, probably all the tools in the box. He has a ton of potential. I would be very hesitant to surround that kid with chaos, though. I, I think he's got to go to a buttoned-up organization that has a bunch of pieces around him that is able to develop that kid the right way. I'm, I, w- I would be very concerned about allowing that kid to experience a lot of success, uh, a, a lot of uh, be, be extremely unsuccessful early on in, in his career. Um, right, you, you, you could ruin him. His development. Yeah, you you put him in a situation like Houston or or Indy where they they need yeah. him to come in and start right away. He's gonna he's gonna fail most likely. We put him out with like Detroit or with with a Seattle with a Pete Carroll who's been there for years who who knows how to groom young quarterbacks. You know he's got a veteran Geno Smith. That I think that would be the ideal situation for Anthony Richardson. Yeah. So I, that, that's that's the thing here is, is like if how well does he do? Because if Seattle's sitting there saying we're gonna lie in the weeds here. We don't expect to be a top five, you know, picking a top five in the next couple of years. We're going to line a weeds here and we're going to, we're going to pluck our quarterback at the future. And they fall in love with Anthony Richardson. You know, they might say, all right, crap, you know, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to move up to get this kid. And guess what? Seattle is loaded with draft capital from that Russell Wilson trade with Denver. So they're, they're a team that to keep an eye on with possibly moving up into that first overall pick to snag a kid like Anthony Richardson and kind of secure their future at that position. So, Seattle is Seattle is a team to keep an eye on here with Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm most looking forward to on the, at this combine is uh, on Sunday, March 5th. That's the day the running backs are working out because I truly believe that the number one running back for the Chicago Bears in 2023 is going to be a draft pick, not a major free agent signing. And so I'm going to be taking a look at this running back class to see if there's a guy. Number one, that, huh? Yeah, I really do believe that. I, I think, you know, there's some r- really good running backs in this class, and I bet you that even uh, at the top of day three, the Bears have the top pick of the fourth round. I bet you they might be looking at a running back in that slot uh, to, at the very least, compete for the number one spot. We'll see how, the, of course, the draft, you know, works out because things happen and all of a sudden somebody you thought that was going to be available in round four or five is gone on round two. So that's that's one of my major focuses when I'm watching the Combine this week. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to uh, get to a few questions. Toa asked about Zay Flowers. Do you think he goes in the first? He seems to be a Tyreek Hill type that they always like to draft in KC. Guys, what do you think about Zay Flowers? Zay Flowers uh, measured in at 5'9 with with arms under under 30 inch at the uh, East West Shrine. Those are not measurables that, that NFL teams invest first round picks on. Uh, I love the kids tape. I love the kids competitive nature. I, I've been raving about Zay Flowers uh, in, in terms of the, you know, even before the season started. Uh, but he's a guy that for me, uh, he's just too small. He's limited in terms of what he could do. He's not, not an outside guy. Uh, it, it, the Tyreek uh, Hill uh, comparison is not not fair because Tyreek is, is built like a linebacker. I mean, he's he's fast. He's mm-hmm. you know four two four three speed. You know, Zay probably will run a high four four, maybe a little four five, depending on, on what he does there. Yeah. But uh, he's an undersized guy. And, and right now, even though I love the kid and love the tape, I'm thinking you know if if you're an established team like the Chiefs, for example, in in, in Tal's question there, you know, Chiefs could take a chance on him in second round, end of the second round. Uh, or if not, that he's probably going late second, early third is where I think Zay Flowers is going to end up going. 
What do you think, uh, uh, Neil? Yeah, agree. Uh, Tyreek has Olympic level speed and explosiveness. You know, to compare him to Tyreek, Tyreek Hill is uh, there. There, there's a big discrepancy there in terms of how soon uh, Zay Flowers would cross the finish line after Tyreek Hill would. But, but yeah, I mean, extremely productive on tape, like Danny said. I just don't think he's going to be, you know, a, a first round guy. I think anybody that takes him in the first round is going to be stretching a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm concerned about why he said no to the Senior Bowl and yes to the East West Shrine Bowl game and only worked out one day yeah. in Vegas. That that raised an eyebrow to me, you know. Uh, so. Uh, his there has to be some really thorough uh, looks into what his motivation is. Does he really want to be the best wide receiver in football? Because those are the only ones you want to draft. Either want to be the best wide receiver or the best blocking wide receiver or the best something wide receiver. And so if Zay Flowers really wants that, he should have been at the Senior Bowl uh, performing with top-level college All-Stars. Next question is competitive. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. Go and be so, competitive. You know, that the yeah. guys that show up and either, you know, I understand quarterbacks want to do their own thing with their own, you know, script and everything else. And that's why they don't throw at the combine. That is what that is. But if you're a position guy, I want to see you be competitive, man. You know, yep. show up to Senior Bowl, show up to East West, show up to the combine, do the stuff, show that you want to beat the guy next to you, beat the guy in front of you, beat the guy behind you. You know, mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it does matter in, in terms of the character section on the draft report, on, on the, uh, the evaluation report. Yep. J2K has a question about linebackers and whether they're good fits and where they might go in the draft. Uh, Zovichia Dennis and Dorian Williams. I don't know if you guys have done your Servassier. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, have done your linebacker evaluations yet. But uh, any thoughts on J2K's question? I haven't got to my linebackers yet. I haven't done my thorough thing yet, but I, but Dorian Williams is a guy that, that's 6'1", 200, 220 pounds, 215 pounds. It fits the profile in terms of a guy that, that, can, that can make some you know tackles. Uh, but you know, in terms of giving a, an in-depth report on them, I, I don't have a, a good feel yet for those guys because, like I said, I've, I've been doing offensive line, defensive line, receivers. Uh, linebacker isn't at the top of my list yet. So I'll, I'll be hitting those guys and, and definitely will be uh, giving you uh, my thoughts on those guys. But I don't know if, Neil, have you seen any of these two linebackers? I uh, watched Dorian Williams play the Cotton Bowl, um, you know, stood out, but I don't really have a good feel for him yet in terms of where he might go. Servassi had Dennis. Uh, they get up there at Pittsburgh. Uh, there's one thing I know about Pittsburgh guys on defense is that they're they're tough effort character guys. Uh, and he's a guy that last, uh, you know, I should say in that last week, two weeks ago in Mobile really stood out uh, in terms of the one-on-ones and uh, he made some good plays in space and uh, team drills and, you know, those different types of things. Again, haven't gotten as in-depth yet. I don't think either of those guys are going to be day one, day two guys. I think those are, I think you're talking about, you know, middle round guys, uh, you know, that would probably come off the board in day three, if I could guess right now, not having done an in-depth evaluation on them. J2K also wanted to know about Rakeem Jarrett, so highly rated going into his junior year, but didn't live up to it. I wonder why and if he is a sleeper. You guys know anything about Rakeem Jarrett? I haven't heard heard the name much. I, I haven't. I know who he is. I, I haven't done his his tape just yet, uh, but I, I I know he's the receiver. Yep, but I haven't J- done tape on him yet. J2K, I promise to get you a, a thorough report on Jarrett in the we next you, uh, couple of weeks. We Indeed. And I got one more question here. As of today, PZ wants to know, gut feelings, 
about trading down scenario. I know you guys have been giving it some thought in between looking at tape and doing all the other various things you do for a living. Um, what do you think, uh, Mr. Neil Stopchinski, about uh, trading down? What are your gut feelings? Gut feeling, I feel like the Colts are going to be that partner. I, I feel like, uh, you know, that they, they have a kind of a you know crazy guy owner that uh, is willing to go ahead and um, do some crazy guy things. Mm-hmm. And in some way, shape, or form, he's going to talk Chris Ballard into uh, making some sort of deal with the Chicago Bears and what that might entail in terms of, you know, capital coming back is, uh, I, I think, really up in the air. I think anybody in terms of what they're going to give up and, and, and as far as capital goes is really kind of up in the air right now. I'm not sure that uh, – I'm not really sure that uh, – the, the leverage that the Bears have, yeah, granted, they have the number one pick and, you know, teams are going to go ahead and try and, uh, you know, come up with some way to leverage that pick on the Bears. You know, granted, the Bears do have the leverage. I'm not sure that the leverage is strong enough. So, you know, I, I think that we're going to get something pretty good back. I'm not sure it's going to be in, in the level of something, you know, Christmas morning crazy that we thought we might have gotten before. Just a gut feeling. But, um I feel like if there if there's one I'd probably hedge a bet on right now it would be it'd be the Colts. Um I know we we we've talked about a few different scenarios today with Nick where you know the, the Cardinals could be one, the Seahawks could be one, Panthers could be one, Lions could be one. Obviously trading back to the Houston Texans at two is uh an interesting one because you know the Texans know they're gonna get their guy either way. Why would they trade up? But uh uh, I also feel like there's uh, there's scenarios where you could trade back multiple times. And, and you know, there's also scenarios where the Bears stay put at one. And I think if you're Ryan Poles, you have to think about all these different scenarios, no matter how ridiculous you as a fan may think they are. As the guy in charge, you need to consider everything from multiple angles. And you need to consider all the leverage points you possibly have and consider all the, the capital that you possibly have, and all the assets and resources that you that you have in your pocket and make the best decision for the franchise. And there's probably 375 different, you know, things on the board right now that they could possibly do with, you know, 15 different teams. Um, but if, if I have to go with my gut right now, put any money on it right now, it'd be the Colts, but that's just going strictly on gut zero on knowledge or any sort of instinct whatsoever. For me, I, I, I think in terms of uh, some, first of all, some of the scenarios that you see out there on Twitter, on the internet is, are just ridiculous. I mean, no, no team is going to give you, you know, a three first round picks to move up three spots. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. Right. So, so if we talk about, obviously the, the leader in the, in the clubhouse is the Colts. I think that's a team that that's the general managers come out and said that he'll move heaven and earth to go to give a quarterback. If he sees one that he wants, there's no guarantee that he sees one yet that he just hired a coaching staff. So, you know, the coach got to dig into the tapes. So I'm saying like this combine, these quarterback workouts and these interviews are going to be huge for Ryan Poles and the Bears. So keep an eye on what trickles out out of the combine. So any any sort of trade scenarios with, with the Colts or all these guys, especially the Colts who just hired a coaching staff. They haven't even got into their offices yet, moved in yet, and much less they're going to, you know, mortgage or future for a quarterback. So that's something to, to just kind of like put on the back burner and see what happens, what develops to two teams. I already, I mentioned today in terms of sleepers, guys that, you know, teams that no one really is, is kind of talking about that could come up touchdown Seattle, you know, Seattle might, might see an opportunity there that, Hey, you know, we got a chance. Like I said earlier, you know, just a few minutes ago, we have a chance. We're not going to be in this. We're not, we don't expect to be in this position again to, to get our future quarterback. We have Geno Smith here as a veteran. We go get his kid, whichever one. I, I think it's going to be Anthony Richardson, but they they might fall in love with C.J. Stroud. They might fall in love with Will Levis. Who, who the hell knows? But 
as long as they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks. I think Seattle is a team to keep in mind. They have a lot of draft capital from the Russell Wilson trade. And then Carolina. Carolina, I think, is just a sleeping giant. Uh, they're, they have an owner that, that, that is also craving uh, a big-name quarterback. You know, if they don't go out there and make a huge splash with, like, a Lamar Jackson trade or something like that. You know, Carolina is a team that I mentioned earlier when we were talking to Nick. They're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Uh, Evero, the defensive coordinator, mentioned that they're going to be flipping out. So, you know, could, could a guy like a Derek Brown, their, their defensive tackle, be a guy that interests the Bears, you know, include him in a package to move up with number nine in, in future picks? Remember, the, the farther down the Bears trade down, the more they can get in terms of players, you know, tr trades, future draft picks, and all that stuff. So, you know, that's a team to keep an eye on is, is, is Carolina number nine as well because new coaching staff, you know, owner who's who's very very uh, you know uh, motivated to 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 fix that quarterback position. So Seattle for me at number five and 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 uh, Carolina number nine are two teams that no one's talking about right now to keep an eye on because I think some one of these teams is going to jump up and and you know jump the Colts and jump and jump the uh, the Texans to go and get that quarterback that they fall in love with. So uh, it's it's going to be traded. The pick's going to be traded. I, I do not expect the, the the Bears to make that that pick at number one. Um, and I, I just a matter of who is going to fall in love with which quarterback and who's going to be willing to move heaven and earth to, to go get them. Yeah. And I got to say that uh, I think one of the keys to this scenario about trading down, it could be the Houston Texans. And I know uh, Neil just talked about it and saying, you know, they're probably going to get their guy. But the thing is, is that Ryan Poles has to create the illusion that some other team is going to trade up for number one for whoever the Houston Texans want at number one or whoever they want most in this draft. If you can then trade your first overall pick for the Texans' second overall pick and their 33rd pick at the top of the second round after the the Steelers, then uh, – is it Steelers or Ravens? Uh, Steelers. Uh, then all of a sudden you have now – two and 32 and your other second rounder. And you're now still entertaining offers for quarterback hungry teams where their quarterback might still be available at that number two overall pick. You have got to create the illusion that whoever it is, the Texans, eye, even if it's a defensive player, you've got to create the illusion that the bears or somebody else want that player and create the, the, the demand. And so even if you, walk away with one additional pick the 33rd pick of the second round that still gives you a, 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 a so much more than what you have if you're just drafting drafting the first overall pick you've got to really create this scenario this illusion you got to talk to agents you got to talk to reporters you got to drop hints you got to really create you know as greg gabriel has famously said for the last several years this is the lying season and so you've got to go out there and start lying. But I'm not going to well, lie what to do you. you. Think, what, what, why do you think? I, I mean, it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely nuts. But why do you think Mike Tannenbaum is always on ESPN talking about the Bears drafting Bryce Young? Someone's <laughs> whispering in his ears. Exactly. Someone's whispering in his ears that that this is a, a possibility. So he's like, oh, I'm going to be the first out there, even if it's wrong. If it's right, I'm going to, you know, and all of a sudden Mike Tannenbaum's getting all this pub and everything like that. But, you know, you know I, I don't think the Bears are going to draft Bryce Young. If, if, as a matter of fact, if Ryan Poles drafts Bryce Young, then I demand him to resign the next damn day because that's taking the franchise back five years. So anyway, that, that's not the hero here. That's neither here or there. But I, there, there's stuff leaking out that these guys are just grabbing onto and going on onto their their life sets and, and and putting out there. So and that's all by design, guys. It's it is like like 
Greg says, like I'll just said right now, it is lying season. You gotta, you gotta drop that market. You know, and then everyone I've talked to says the Bears absolutely love Justin Fields, right? They just absolutely love Justin yeah. Fields. And and in terms but of Bulls himself guy, came out and Eric, said that he's our guy next year. Mm-hmm. Well, he hasn't come out and said that he's their guy. He just said that he has to be yeah, blown away. So he always put that out there in terms of, you know, what's you know he has you know he's open to you know to to be listened to. But uh, I just I just you know that's something that you have to do. You have to build that market up, and let that kid it just takes one team to fall in love with one of these quarterbacks and say we're moving it, we're doing whatever we can to get him, and then that that's that's where it goes. And I got to tell you, you mentioned the guy from ESPN, the former uh, Jets G- former GM. GM, yeah. Of, yeah, uh, it's, this, this guy is not the brightest bulb in the rock. No, I can't. <laughs> How he got a GM job is beyond me. Yeah. But Twice. the other two the GM other, jobs. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. The other uh, reporter, so to speak, uh, that is almost on the Bears' payroll is Jason Lockenfora. Jason Lockenfora has a source over at Hallis Hall who is constantly feeding him misinformation, constantly. And Jason, maybe he's getting paid to report this stuff, or maybe he's just stupid to continue to report on these this fake news like other general managers are, are are in discussions whatever it was he reported this week are in discussions with Justin Fields about uh, the trade that is all in my opinion I don't have an inside source Greg Gabriel's never whispered anything to me Greg has told me he knows who the person is but Greg hasn't told me my what you what I'm saying here which is my theory is that this is somebody who says during meetings with the general manager and, and decision maker says, don't worry, I'll let Jason know and we'll plant that. And all of a sudden it creates this interest. Now, I think also a lot of general managers in the league know that if Jason Lacanfora is saying it, then it's probably not true. But that's those are the games that are going on right now. And uh, it's fun to watch and sometimes also very frustrating because there's a lot of suckers out there who are Bears fans and buy into this stuff. <laughs> Uh, great show, guys. A lot of fun. Uh, we could stay here easily another hour, but uh, I uh, have to, way too much respect for your time. I know you've got a lot of other things to do, but one way you can get more draft information is by uh, going over to our patreon.com page forward slash barroom draft, and you'll get exclusive, detailed, highly detailed scouting reports from Danny Shimon and Greg Gabriel. And then also remember, next week, Wednesday, March 1st, we have our private party. Neil and Danny are hosting a party for seven barflies. We've got a couple of spots still open. If you're interested in uh, being a part of that private party to have your discussions with these guys, just shoot me an email or DM me on on, on Twitter. Uh, just get a hold of me, although at bearsbarroom.com is my email, and then we'll hook you up and make this thing happen. So uh, any final words, Danny and Neil? Uh, Neil, I'll start with you. Yeah, just always, guys. We really appreciate you coming on, spending an hour, hour and a half, however long it's been with us. Uh, like the show, share the show, you know, love the participation in the chats. Really helps the algorithm. Um, go ahead and follow me on uh, on Twitter and really all the, all the social medias is the same handle for branding purposes, obviously. And it's easy to uh, you know keep keep track of of uh, you know what my handles are, but at N I E L S T O P C Z Y N S K I, go ahead and follow me anywhere. Any questions? Hit us up on Twitter. You're either DM or you know add us or whatever the case may be. 
And then, uh, you know, just real quick, non-football related. Uh, if you go to my Twitter page, the first post I have pinned is, you know, my friend Nas looking for a kidney. Um, you know, talked to her the other day. She hasn't had any luck finding anyone yet, but um, really appreciative that people share the post, that people, you know, look at the uh, look at the link inside and, uh, you know, just give us some thought at the very least. But, you know, main thing, just continue to share it. Internet, please help, you know, do your thing. Amazing person, great family. Um, just looking for a little bit of magic. So continue to share that out, continue to let people know that, you know, you know, one good person in the world uh, needs a little bit of help. Indeed. Yeah. Make sure you follow uh, Neil on Twitter and spell that one, one more time for us, for the audio uh, people. Yeah. For the audio people at N I E L S T O P C Z Y N S K I. Thank you, Neil. It's funny that Neil has to read his last name on, on the screen or to, to spell it off. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed that. <laughs> hey, that's what makes fun of oh, me about, about the Skronsky uh, pronunciation, right? So <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Danny, your final thoughts. He's speechless. Neil is speechless. <laughs> Guys, this has been fun. It's great. And it's only getting started. Uh, like I said earlier, it's, it, the grind is in here. This, this is this is our time of, time of year that we just we live for. Neil and I just love going, getting into the tape and, and answering you guys' questions. And, uh, you know, some of the names that, that came up today, we just haven't hit that position group yet, but we'll definitely get, get that involved and come on in and, and join our Patreon, and get, get our get our video scouting reports. Uh, jo join our our party next next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be able to kind of go back and forth, throw scenarios in terms of mock drafts, trade downs, you know, teams, players, so on and so forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to interacting with our with our listeners. And again, we're just going to be hitting those those uh, that film again this week and and just trying to trying to you know get some more information on some of these these draft prospects. But the uh, the combine that's coming and that's going to be. It's gonna be fun, and a lot of people think it's it's the underwear Olympics and all that stuff. But there are some things that out of the combine that does come out that that kind of what it does for me at least it, it kind of just checks another you know mark off off the list because you know does this player you know does you run what I think he ran on on tape you know does he run faster now that he's that he's at the combine in his underwear not in pads that could be something you have to kind of look at as well you know is he because these guys train specifically to be able to run fast. But if you go back and watch their tape, it doesn't course, you know, correlate to, to football speed. So things like that, you know, in terms of defensive backs, their agility, their footwork, uh, hips, you know, there's a lot of things that you can find in these some of these workouts that are they're very you know productive in terms of identifying a prospect and how they projects at the next level, specifically in these in the Bears scheme. So uh, keep an eye on the combine. It, it is it is fun. It is entertainment. Uh, I, I definitely like to you know you know have you guys watch it and get your feedback in terms of who you guys thought did well or, or didn't do well. So. Indeed. You know, uh, one one of these days, some NFL marketing genius is going to make these interviews at the Combine available to us hardcore fans, because really, that is probably the number one reason, uh, the number one value for NFL general managers is that 15, 20-minute meeting they get with players, how they answer questions, what they do at the board when they're asked to talk about certain plays and so forth. And wouldn't we all love to just be a part of that? And so hopefully one day, at, at least segments of it, not the entire 15, 20-minute, but I would love to see the highlights of a discussion between Ryan Poles and uh, Jalen Carter, for instance. So, um, have you seen get, the one with uh, DK Metcalf and 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 the uh, uh, P. Carroll? So no. DK comes into the into the room and for his interview, and he's and he's shirtless, 
and he walks in and obviously DK Metcalf is all, all, all chiseled and, and yeah. you know, Pete Carroll takes off his shirt and he goes bare, bare skin and he's in there with his, you know, you know, his dad bod, if you will. And, 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 you know, 60 year old Pete Carroll. I love it. So those are some of the things that, that they, you know, we don't see unless they, the team shares it, you know, and so on and so forth. So exactly. great stuff. All right, everybody. Uh, what do we got going on today is Thursday. We've got uh, a crosstalk crosstalk tomorrow. Today's Wednesday, tomorrow's Thursday, Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m., Mac and Reed at 6 p.m., and we've got a lot more programming over the next few days, and most of it is all Bears-related. I want to thank everybody in the chat room. Like Neil said, you guys really are an important part of this show. You keep the rhythm going, all your great questions, and I can't help but uh, uh, look at all the shit Don Burke gets from our Bears fans. Uh, great job, guys. And uh, so remember, uh, we're, we are back. On uh, what date are we back, guys, uh, for a live show? We got, we got the party going on next next Wednesday. Right? The 8th. Party next- the 8th. Right. So uh, on March 8th, another free draft on tap show, but we still have a couple slots open on the uh, private party. So hit me up on email or uh, on my Twitter, yeah, Twitter DM. For Danny Shimon, Neil Stopchinski, and our special guest, Nick Baumgarten over at The Athletic. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next time.